Government agents. Scientists. Soldiers. Master criminals. Secret formulas. Monsters and midgets. Belong in this swamp. Only one thing does. The swamp bear. Uh huh. You're in kind of trouble. The swamp bear. There goes the neighborhood. Adrienne Barbeau and the Swamp Thing, an outrageous pair in the incredible adventure that grows on you or all over you. The Adventures of the Swamp Thing. The comic book legend lives. Film and Water Podcast. This is a special double feature. Our pal Jared Albrecht is back. Hello, Jared. Hello, hello. Nice to have you back on the show. Uh, this nice to is, be here. Yes, this is a, this is a muck-encrusted monstrosity <laughs> of a podcast and <laughs> that we are going to be talking about 1982's Swamp Thing, directed by Wes Craven, and then we're going to come back and talk about 2005's Man Thing. <laughs> so... If you enjoy swamp-related <laughs> movies, this is your podcast. So uh, let's just get her going with, with Swamp Thing. It's 1982. It's directed by Wes Craven. It's produced by the team of uh, Benjamin Melkner and Michael E. Uslan, who brought us Batman in, in 1989. I remember seeing this movie in the theater. My dad took me Ooh. to this. This is a very exciting movie to see because it was, it was Swamp Thing. You know, I'd read the comic. I was so excited. Now, you, Jared, when did you first see Swamp Thing? Uh, a couple of weeks ago, to be oh, honest wow. with you. Okay. Because uh, I, uh, I, uh, you, you asked me about it because I, I was all like puffing out my chest. I was like, oh, I've done an episode with Film and Water. I know everything about movies. And, <laughs> and I was like, I was like tweeting you, and I was like, hey, yeah, I was like, I'd totally like to be your comic book movie guy because I've seen them all, all of them. I'll talk about any of them. And you were like, what about Swamp Thing? And I was like, damn it. <laughs> One movie I haven't seen. <laughs> got it. Got you on the first try. Got me on the first try. Yeah. So yeah, that I I I got it. I uh, I'd always wanted to see it. So I was like, yeah, I'd like to do that. And you know, I jumped on uh, like Amazon and I saw they had like a Blu-ray DVD combo pack. It was only like twelve or fourteen bucks. So I ordered it, and you were like, you didn't have to do that. Yeah, boy, that's, that's some serious commitment. I didn't have to get to buy the thing. You could just no, just I mean, just, just a few bucks, you know. And 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 like I said, I kind of take pride in 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 seeing all the comic book related films. You know, what no matter how good or bad they are, and I, was, and I like to have them in my collection. So that's that's a really long answer to, yeah, I watched it a couple of weeks ago. Okay, so what's your what's your general take on Swamp Thing? Ah, my general take on Swamp Thing. Um, I, I liked it. I was very surprised when I saw the name Wes Craven plaster across mm-hmm. the screen. Mm-hmm. I was like, what? Okay, all right. So I was like, this is, this is going to be really, really great. And, you know, <laughs> it was... <laughs> It ultimately, I I decided that I like Swamp Thing for the same reason that I like Flash Gordon. I find them both to be sort of delightfully 
uh, cheesy almost and and a little bit campy. Although I think Swamp Thing was not as as cheesy as, as Flash Gordon, but overall I liked it. I I enjoyed uh, a lot of the aspects about. It. I'm sure we can get into it. Um, but yeah, overall I give it a, a thumbs up. I do not regret ordering it. Okay. Now when you're talking when you're saying cheesy, you're talking about the movie specifically, not necessarily the source material. Oh yeah, yeah, oh, yeah. Okay. Of course, yeah. The the the, the movie specifically okay. is was was cheesy. Um, I, and I'll be honest with you, I I haven't read a lot of Swamp Thing in my life. I mean, I've read a ton, a ton, a ton of comics, but that's that's area of comics, sort of that uh, that midnight to podcasting hour area of comics has always kind of been a a, a blind spot to me. Mm-hmm. I've never read a lot of Swamp Thing. I never read a lot of Man Thing, The Spectre, like all that stuff. I'm aware of because I kind of I know about them when they show up in other stories, but I never really devoted a lot of time to them. Always liked the idea. Always thought it was really as- aesthetically cool looking, uh, but uh, but never never really got into it. So I didn't really have a lot of expectation, which which is kind of a cool way to watch a movie like that, where I'm not like, oh, it's got to be like this and it's mm-hmm. got to be like that, you know? So I kind of came in on a, on a blank blank slate on two fronts, having not seen the movie back in the 80s and having not been super invested in the comics. Yeah, that's a, that's always a nice way to, to go into a movie. Just like, let me just watch it, you know? I'm not, yeah. I don't even know what the plot of this movie is or necessarily. So. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I, mean, uh, I remember being really excited when this came out because I was familiar with Swamp Thing. I don't know if I had read many of the comics. I'm sure I had read a couple but at the time. I was 11 when Swamp Thing came out and it was a comic book movie which means I begged my dad to take me to it and we, <laughs> we, he took me and my sister and I just remembered loving it. And Swamp Thing is one of those movies that I think it's, it's clearly a deeply flawed movie. It's a pretty cheesy movie. It is essentially a monster movie with guys in rubber suits hitting each other. <laughs> Yes, yes, that, yes. That said, I really like this movie. I really yep. like Swamp Thing. I think it has um, a genuine heart to it that transcends all the cheesy trappings. And uh, you mentioned Wes Craven. You know, at this point, in West Cra- Wes Craven was at a really low ebb in his career when he took this job. I mean, he had made two movies in the 70s which were – you know, bomb blasts in terms of how they rocketed the culture. And those were, of course, The Hills of Eyes and The Last House on the Left. And he was okay, really... I have seen both of those. <laughs> oh, boy. Last House on the Left. That's one of those movies that's like, uh, I, I appreciate it for uh, what it is, uh, but I don't ever want to see it again. I'm just like, you know... Exactly. Both of those movies, uh, yeah. I feel the same way. I, I, I have a very, very, very stomach-turning... Yeah reaction to sexual assault and both yeah. of them are just like oh yeah. but but, but yeah I, I see how he's kind of a he's got i mean he's a filmmaking genius but yeah yes. just the content are like oh like like you said okay i'm glad i saw it but i don't want to see it again yeah i don't ever <laughs> want to see it again so he but he was at a really low point in his career and he needed a job he desperately needed a job so he took this gig which was you know always going to be a pg rated movie aimed at kids he basically took this to prove to the to movie studios that he could just be uh, a work-for-hire director, that he could bring a movie in on budget the way it was needed. Like, he basically used this as a resume builder to get a job. And uh, I have not listened to – there's an uh, on the audio – there's an audio commentary, I believe, on the disc that you bought with, with Wes Craven. Now I wish I would have listened to it. Uh, yeah, I've, I haven't listened to it. I want to hear it. But apparently he talks about that it was a really tough shoot in terms of – the budget was so low that there were yeah. yeah there there were points where like the bond completion holders were literally cutting scenes out of the script because they were like we're not going to give you the money to shoot that 
And, you know, that's never a good way to make a movie when you've got the money guys making yeah. changes in your <laughs> yeah. screenplay. Now, I did watch uh, – they had a lot of, like, you know, thought – years later thoughts from Barbeau and Lynn Wein and that kind of stuff. So I did watch some of that, and she did echo that. She did echo how how basically the financiers were, were basically – you know, on the on his doorstep on a daily right. basis. So yeah, yeah, I track you. Yeah, I mean, part of the part of the money problem, as you can see on the on the screen, is that like this movie is shot almost entirely during the day. There's virtually no night scenes, and daylight scenes do mm. daylight scenes do not uh, favor the Swamp Thing costume. Yeah. <laughs> because there's nice yeah. big juicy shots of uh, Dick Durock and his rubber suit running around and. It's really pretty obvious that oh yeah, this is just you. You, you can't see the zipper, but you uh, so just like can. I thought that was a really weird choice. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but that's again, that's part that's of it. Weird choice it's because of all the daylight. Uh, yeah, part of it is yeah. that it's, it's the, the budget. You know, he just didn't have any money to shoot much during you know at night, so he had to make do with what he had. Uh, so I mean, I go into the movie with all of those caveats. Uh, but that said, like I said, I still really like this movie. It opens up with uh, – the, the, the setup is basically very familiar to anybody who's read something comics. Dr. Alec Holland, who is here played by Ray Wise. Everybody likes Ray Wise from Twin Peaks and all these other great movies he's been in. Um, <laughs> That's funny. I like had to look him up. I was like, I was like, I know I've seen this guy before. And like the only reference I had when I saw him – I guess I just kind of missed out on the whole Ray Wise thing. The only reference as soon as I saw him, I was like, that's the guy that tried to kick RoboCop in the nuts. That's right. He's, a, he's in RoboCop. He's in George Clooney's Good Night and Good Luck. I mean, he's got a great. He's on currently. He's on the uh, show Fresh Off the Boat. He's had a great career, and you've seen him. In he a was in. Things. He was in Rising Sun with Connery and Snipes. Okay. He played this. He played the senator. Good flick. Good flick. Okay. Anyway, All right, sorry. <laughs> it, it just occurred to me. All right. So he's Dr. Alec Holland. He's working on this special formula and way out in the swamp, which will create a. If it works, will be a animal plant hybrid that will be able to build life that will be able to sustain itself under extreme environmental hardship. And he's talking, so we, you know, it's the kind of thing where we'll be able to grow food for people in, in bad areas. He's working with his sister, Linda, and he's way out in the, he's way out in the swamps and he is visited by a government agent played by the lovely Adrian Barbeau, one of my favorite people on the planet, Adrian Barbeau. And she's there to basically take over the case and she learns all about what this, what he's building. And in the in the initial scenes, she's sort of skeptical of what he's doing. But then they get they have a couple of scenes together, and she clearly kind of likes Alec Holland because he's like a genuine guy. He really wants to kind of want to make the world better. And she sort of that you can tell that appeals to her. And so they kind of have a little bit of a meet cute thing. And it's funny we talk about scenes where things were eliminated because of the budget. Like there's a moment where he she refers to Linda Holland as his wife and he doesn't say anything he doesn't respond and say that's not my wife that's my sister and i feel like there's a scene missing there because later because <laughs> later on we find out oh you know we find out that that uh that alice cable learns oh wait no that's not his that's, you know basically he's available basically but right it's, like, it's so just jointly edited you have to think that that was something that money-wise they just were cutting things left and right so the lab gets attacked by Anton Arcane's goons, and here Anton Arcane is played by the, the great Louis Jordan. And the goons blow up the lab. The place is engulfed in fire. Linda is killed. Alex's body is thrown into the swamp, and everyone thinks he's dead. And, of course, we all know he's not dead. He, in fact, has become Swamp Thing. 
And we find that about halfway through the movie when a bunch of goons, a bunch of Anton's goons, uh, chase Alice out into the swamp. They try and drown her. And just as that happening, Swamp Thing pops out and starts busting heads. So that is the, that's the basic overall setup to, to Swamp Thing. But like I said, I mean, it's I like this movie. I can't, you know what I mean? It's like I, I just I, I have an affection for every time I've seen I've seen it probably half a dozen times at this point, and I know I'm I'm watching it through, uh, you know, green colored glasses from my from my youth. But I still think there's like a nice movie in here. Well, you know, I can tell you, and as the absolute outsider looking in who didn't have the green colored glasses on, it, it has a charm to it. It does. I understand why you feel that way. So even as a even as a, a much older guy, you know, I'm 40 now. I'm not a child going in to watch it, but it's it had a charm. So mm-hmm. you, you're right. <laughs> yeah, I mean, the scenes where uh, the, there's the scene where Swamp Thing saves uh, Alice, and which Alan, we should mention, Alice Cable is basically a combination of two characters from the comic books, uh, Abby Arcane and Matt Cable. They sort of squashed those two characters into one, made her into Alice Cable. Um, the scene where she uh, sits with Swamp Thing, because Swamp Thing gets his arm cut off mm-hmm. during the battle, and she's sitting there laying with him, sitting there talking to him, and she figures out that he is. He feels that he's Alec Holland, and mm-hmm. she's like Alec, and she she sees him flinch when he moves his arm, and she says, "Does it hurt?" And he says, "Only when I laugh," which yes, right. I thought was a great <laughs> line, like a really sweet kind of line. And you know, the the romance, quote unquote, between those two is a little hard to take because first of all, it's like you know she's romancing a swamp creature. Uh, and <laughs> that she's that she's known for twenty minutes. That she's known for twenty minutes. I mean, that is part of the problem. Is that uh, the romance between her and Alec Holland isn't established all that well because it just they're not around each other long enough for you to really be like, oh, they're 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 off to being a great couple before all the action starts. But right. nevertheless, and nevertheless, again, and this is one of the reasons I love Adrian Barbeau. Is Adrian Barbeau is such a great tough dame in all of her movies. She's very uh, again. This is like my eleven-year-old self talking. She's so sexy. <laughs> She's so wonderful, but yet she's like a tough dame. She's not. She doesn't always have to be rescued. There's a great moment where one of Anton's goons has her on a boat, and he like yes. forces a kiss her, a kiss on him, on on her, and her response is to knee him in the groin and push him over the side of the boat. And, like, yes. and then she just Adrian dives Barbeau. off. And then she, she just dives, dives off the boat. It's like that's why I love Adrian Barbeau. She's just perfect. Uh, yeah, I, mean, I think she's you know she, she she was a great choice for this kind of movie, and she's had a whole career of having to do ridiculous situations because she's been in all these sort of genre movies, whether it's like an evil fog that's coming in or whatever she, or, or, you know, dealing with a giant crate monster that tries to eat her face. I mean, she's, she's always had to do, I mean, Hey, you try and be Meryl Streep and have to deal with, you know, swamp things. See how well you come up. She's a really good choice for this movie. I mean, she's ostensibly our hero because swamp thing as a character just isn't in it all that much. Yeah, she carries she carries the film, and uh, yeah, she's a real, she's like a real trooper. And I, I mean, not just in the in the film, kind of like you were saying, kind of like in real life. You know, because I said I watched the little interviews, and, and she was talking about the the shooting days and just being, being hip deep in swamp water for hours. Yeah, yeah you know, yeah, shooting yeah. scenes, and and she 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 did really well. The, the only thing I didn't like about her is the same thing that she didn't like about her that I saw in those little interviews is that her hair was a little bit insane. <laughs> 
she does have like a big fro. She's rocking. She's got a weird looking hairstyle. She she in the interview she's like, God, I hate my hair in that movie. And I'm like, well, it doesn't really help you, but you know, yeah, whatever. You, you you get a pass. Yeah, it's fine. Now, uh, this movie does feature a wise talking kid character, which at times can be the death knell for some movies. Uh, when she, when when Alice is trying to find a way to call. Uh, the government agency that she works for to tell them that the Anton Arcane has blown up the, the lab. She finds this gas station and it's run by this this kid named Jude, played by Jude. this kid Reggie <laughs> Reggie Bass. This is his sole film credit, and he's a wise talking little kid. And I normally hate wise talking little kids in movies. Yes, yes, but me too. They man- but <laughs> they managed to keep this kid under control. Just to, and the, this kid's line readings are so understated that to me it. Just works. It just yeah, works. he's he's great. He, he like I'm like you. I was, I was like, oh, they're putting a kid in it. Damn it! But like, then he starts doing those real subtle line reads of great lines, mm-hmm. and I'm like, this kid is totally making this movie for yeah. me. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it, 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 it's, he's not. He isn't like doing waka waka waka. He's kind of so low key and sort of so unflat. Even when he first meets Swamp Thing. He's just yeah. kind of like, oh, okay, it's a, it's a swamp creature. All right, I get that. There goes the neighborhood. <laughs> yeah, yeah, you're right. He says, there goes the neighborhood. It's like, you know, like, okay, it kind of works. And they do this great thing where, um, again, for a movie that's that's PG and is aimed at kids, uh, a bunch of Arcane's goons kill Jude. And the scene where you learn that is him face down in the rowboat, and, mm-hmm, he, and mm-hmm. he just drifts into frame. And it's like yeah. a really brutal reveal because you don't see his face. And of course, Alice is like, "Oh my god!" And it's like that's pretty brutal to kill. Yeah. Him. Now, of course, Swamp you Swamp Thing rescues him two seconds later and restores him to life with his restorative powers. But nevertheless, that that scene is is still pretty shocking to see well, the, yeah. the the funny you, kid character get bumped off. Yeah, I mean, you you saw it in '82, um, and you knew that was going to come. Like, I'm I'm watching this for the first time a few weeks ago, and I'm like. Dang, they killed the kid. That's harsh, man. Yeah. I was like, I liked that kid. I didn't know he was going to come back. Yeah. <laughs> so I took it kind of hard there for a couple minutes. Yeah, it's well staged. It's a well staged. He said there were there it was. there were absolutely traces of Wes Craven's sort of you know the way he saw the world filtered through this movie. And he it said it's it's an interesting dichotomy to see somebody who to this point had made such hard R movies uh, try and make a PG movie for kids, basically, you know and. Uh, visually, uh, one of the things he, he he brought to this movie, I think, is like the greens. As you might imagine, everything in yes. here is green. All the very stuff, green, very green, and it's a very claustrophobic movie. There's no scenes of this movie outside the swamp. This whole movie takes place in this Louisiana swamp, and I really like that. And that's something I've seen other critics refer to. That that's something that Wes Craven was from, was. Uh, something that he put in all of his movies was a very distinct sense of location. Uh, whether it be the hills that right. all the mutants are in or the house that go, all the terrible stuff takes place in the last house on the left. He is very, very centered on his characters and their locations. And this is a very, you never see anything take place outside of the swamps in this movie. There's not one moment. And I think that's a really effective idea. And dr- dr- just completely drenching your field of vision with green is a re- yes. I think it's a really cool effect. It really has – to me, it's, it's – this is – for a cheap movie, it, to me, this is very pleasurable to look at. Yeah, it was one of the things – the first big takeaways I had from it when I watched it was like the, the palette of the movie 
Um, especially, you know, and I know we'll get to this sort of compare and contrast, but when you compare it to Man-Thing, this one is so yeah. bright and green. Mm-hmm. That's like I noticed that, and I thought it was a good choice, just like you. I said, yeah, yeah. I said, yeah that, was, that was cool. It was, it was good looking. I didn't, I didn't even notice that it never left the swamp until you mentioned it just now. Mm-hmm. But, but yeah, great effect, great yeah. effect. The scene where we first see Anton Arcane and he's talking to one of his goons, uh, Ferret, played by David Hess, and there is it is almost monochromatic because it is just solid blacks and green, this super harsh green lighting. And to me, it's really effective. It's really, really beautiful. And I have to think that was partly Wes Craven's choice was to go for that kind of comic booky color. And he does some comic booky type wipes. Uh, there, yes, you know, yes. there's like a drippy swamp things that come down off screen, and I like all those little effects. It's it's not subtle, but it's also not you know like Batman TV show either with Bam and Pal. Like it's subtler than that, and I I like that the movie is sort of reflecting its comic book roots. Uh, no pun intended. No a pun bit. intended. I right. <laughs> really, I think that's a really and it's you know to me I'm I wish I could explain why I like it here and like I didn't like it when Ang Lee used it in the Hulk. Like I hate those effects, but for me here it 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 works. It just really works. It does. It really does. Ang Lee kind of pushed it a little harder with like a didn't he do like a sort of a panel to panel? Yes. Pull out and, and push in, which sounds like a good idea, but that movie just ended up. Anyway, we're not talking about that movie. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. The, the swipes here were very good. I almost felt like they were similar to like a Lucas swipe, mm-hmm, uh, but mm-hmm. but a little more distinct. So mm-hmm. yeah, I mean, I did notice them. I said. Interesting swipe work. Like you said, I think it lends itself to the fun of the movie without derailing it. Like, oh, that was dumb. Yeah, you know? yeah, yeah, absolutely true. Now, one of the things that I'd like to think about in terms of what could have been is, of course, originally Ray Wise was going to be Swamp Thing through the whole movie. They were going to put him in the suit, and they needed a stuntman to do some of the scenes, so they hired Dick Durock, who had had this long career as a stuntman. He did some stunts on Star Trek and did some other things. And they got Dick Durock, and they realized that there was no way they could pass off Dick Durock for Ray Wise. Because Ray Wise, his face was just incredibly different than Dick Durock. Dick Durock was something like 6'5 or 6'6. Ray Wise is nowhere near that tall. So apparently there were some shots done of Ray Wise in the Swamp Thing costume. And then they they paired, which I've never seen, and they paired them up with Dick Durock, and they just said, this isn't going to work. So Dick Durock ended up playing Swamp Thing through the whole movie. And, you know, that is kind of a minus because Dick Durock is not an actor. He was a stuntman. He became an actor. But but when he did this movie, he was not an actor. And it's kind of hard to pin your movie, the title character of your movie, on a non-actor. Yeah. he, He had some stuff going for him. Like you said, he had the physicality. Um, you know, Dick Rock is, I don't know, a really half-hearted attempt at a porn name, if you ask me, but, uh, he was, st- <laughs> he was still Dirk really, <laughs> I know, yeah, sorry, Dick Rock. that's just where my, my mind goes, but hey, I got problems. Anyways, <laughs> um, yeah, he, he was physically imposing, and the good news portion of that story is that you don't have to act a whole lot as Swamp Thing. And, I mean, he didn't have a whole lot of lines. And the good news is when he did have lines, he delivered them well. So it worked. Yeah, I agree with that. It reminds me a bit of uh, – I saw Michael Keaton once many years ago on the Letterman show talking about when he back when he was doing Batman. And he said that the suit does most of your acting. He's, he yeah. said the suit – and so in here, he's buried under all this latex. And, and yeah, you're right. It's It really is the fact that it's you're looking at Swamp Thing. And so uh, it would have been interesting – 
if Ray Wise could have done it, I think that would have been a really interesting thought exercise to see what that would have looked like. But yeah, he doesn't get a lot to say. Um, and so I think he's a perfectly fine Swamp Thing. I mean, it, it tells you something that in the cast list, Dick Durock is listed eighth on the cast list. And it's like, he's the title character. He's, How can he's he be the eighth? Swamp Thing. <laughs> he is Swamp Thing. I mean, I understand when they made Superman and Christopher Reeve was third because he was after Gene Hackman and Marlon Brando. But, yeah. you know, when you see when you see Dick Durock listed below the guys who play Bruno and Ferret and the other guy, you're like, I really think you need to move Dick Durock a little further up on the cast list. But, but yeah, I think he's I think he works just fine. I think. He, he, yeah, he I, I would agree with that. And it's sort of funny. This movie is inadvertently uh, referring to sort of something. One of the things that Alan Moore brought to the, the Swamp Thing comics was his notion that Swamp Thing is not Alec Holland. He is not Alec Holland's body transformed into a swamp creature. His notion was it is Alec Holland's consciousness in the body of this vegetation. So right. there is no way for him to return to being Alec Holland because he never was Alec Holland. And this movie is sort of fainting in that direction a little bit, if accidentally. Because yeah. here it is saying, well, the, 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 the guy you saw in the first third of the movie, that's not Swamp Thing. This is another creature. This is a pile of moss who thinks it is, who thinks it was a man at some point. So there's that little bit of reference kind of, you know, again, obliquely to what Alan Moore would later do with the character. Yeah, it makes, it makes you wonder, did, you know, did Alan Moore just dream it up or did he watch the movie and think, huh, there's an idea. <laughs> yeah, sure, absolutely. Um, one of the other things uh, that I, I found interesting about this movie in terms of the performances is Louis Jordan as Anton Arcane. Um, I love how he is interested in nothing else other than the world bending to his will. Like, all he cares about is getting the formula so he can take over the world. Because there's a whole bunch of scenes he has with this female assistant played by uh, Mimi Craven. Uh, I think that's Wes's soon-to-be wife. And she clearly is into him. Like, she's clearly like a, like a James Bond villain henchwoman who she, she's interested in Anton Arcane, and he could not care less. He gives her no... He calls, he calls her my dear in those scenes, but he clearly isn't interested in any sort of sexual conquest. All he cares about is the formula. And I he's got like better that. things to do. Yeah, he's, he's got, got better agenda. things to worry about. He just, he's asexual, and I kind of like that. And then later on in the scene where he uh, he kidnaps Swamp Thing, he uses Abby as, uh, Abby uses um, Alice's bait to trap Swamp Thing. They drag Swamp Thing back into his mansion. They truss him up down in the dungeon, and he has that dinner party. And yes. he says, you know, I'm here to give the dinner party. And the guest of honor is Bruno, my henchman Bruno, who helped find the notebook, which features all of the notes of uh, Alec Holland. And he says, uh, Bruno is going to be the one who is the test subject for the formula. And he gives Bruno the formula. Bruno doesn't know he's drinking it. And as poor Bruno starts writhing in agony because his body's being racked by all the formula, Arcane couldn't care less. Arcane is just looking curious. He doesn't – the guy is screaming. His face is contorting. There's bubbles, all this crap. And, and Arcane is just kind of like, huh, that's interesting. <laughs> he's just a bad guy. He's just a terrible, terrible guy. I love that. I love that about him, that he's that sociopathic. 
that he's just like, okay, whatever. And then, of course, even after all that, after Bruno turns into this little dwarf creature with bat ears and all sorts of crap, and he's running around, and which that kid, that thing gave me a nightmares when I was a kid. Inexplicably, not only did Bruno shrink, but his clothes all shrank too. His clothes shrink too. That's very helpful. Those, those are Hulk pants. You know, those are those yeah. pants. Good for any occasion. Yeah, good for any occasion. But uh, I got looked, my shrinking pants on today. Exactly. Uh, but I love that Arcane drinks the formula anyway. Yeah. Because he talks to Swamp Thing, and Swamp Thing's like, there's nothing wrong with the formula. All the formula does is amplify what you already are. Mm-hmm. So basically garbage in, garbage out. So Arcane is so full of himself that he thinks, well, if I drink the formula, I'll just become like a super genius. I'm already a genius. I'll become a super genius. Super Wiley Coyote exactly. style. Super, yeah, Anton Arcane, super genius. super genius. And of course, this leads him to turning into a monster. And this where this is where I have to admit the movie really falls apart. Yes, uh, I was going to say that too. He doesn't, <laughs> Arcane doesn't turn into anything interesting. He basically turns into, first of all, a giant poop monster. Uh, and then he... <laughs> And then he breaks out of the poop monster shell, and he's just kind of a werewolf guy in a skin tight. Like, it's it's just, it's kind of nothing. It looks like they got it out of a costume shop. Yeah, well, I mean, like I said, the, the budget was obviously running low. And if we've learned nothing else from that scene, like, the one big takeaway I had from it was, like, if you're going to do a monster in costume like that, you absolutely have to animate the eyes, because that's what makes it look goofy, is oh, the I eyes are just kind of that. fixed. You're right, yeah, because as, as the monster, he's kind of got, like, googly eyes, and he just looks Yeah, he's silly. just, like, just, like, staring off in the space at all times, you know, he's yeah. just like, okay. Yeah, yeah, that's, that whole sequence, and that's, that's something that Wes Craven, I feel like, he must have started tuning out, because he doesn't even really bother to come up with any camera angles that will help hide how cheesy the monster suit is. I mean, yeah. it really is just lots of long shots of a guy in a costume running around. And for all of Arcane's genius, he just becomes this creature going, ah, and he's just <laughs> running around these sets. And I, I will admit, this is the movie's weakest part, is that final sequence where he battles Swamp Thing. Well, he, he did want to become a super genius, and he does kind of look like a coyote. So. I guess, maybe so. Uh, yeah, I, I have to admit. So the whole final sequence with him and Swamp Thing, not very effective. I, I have to admit that. That's That part of the movie is really, really like, yeah, this is just guys in rubber suits hitting each other. But it, it's over very quickly, and then it gets right back to all the stuff with, with uh, Al. I keep saying Abby. With Alice Cable, which is, again, the stuff that you like. And he heals Alex because Alex gets stabbed at one point uh, in the chest. When you, you know, if you're going to hit uh, Adrian Barbeau, you can't help but hit her chest because yeah. it's mostly I mean, chest. Let's put, let's put the camera in the most interesting place possible. Yeah. I mean, like, <laughs> like when she's trussed up down in the dungeon, they put the ropes, like, right under her chest so it even, like, pops it out further. I'm like, this movie was rated PG, right? Um, <laughs> when I was a kid, I loved those scenes. And uh, so, but, but anyway, he, he, he heals Alice with his healing powers, and she offers – this is another part of the movie that doesn't make a lot of sense. Because she offers, she says, Alec, I'll be your hands. Your hands, yeah, yeah. Like, we'll work on a formula together. And he's like, basically, no, you need to heal. I'm going to go off and wander off in the swamp, and I'll (laughs) come back when you need me. And you're like, wait, why does he do that? I don't understand. (laughs) He was like, pass. Yeah. (laughs) Like, what else you got going on there, buddy? (laughs) Yeah, and it's like the movie movie ends on such a sad note to just watch him wander off into the swamp. I'm like... (laughs) 
it's, yeah. it's like it's uh, like it, it makes me genuinely sad because you like Alec Holland, you like Swamp Thing, you want him to be with with Alice, and I don't get why he can't. I mean, I know why because you can't end the movie with him in a lab in a in a, like a lab coat working with Alice, you know, Cable. But it just it just seems like an unnecessarily harsh ending for your movie. <laughs> we can hang out together. No, I'm good. <laughs> if, if Adrian if Adrian Barbeau okay. makes me the offer to hang out with her, I'm doing it. That, that, that's a yes. I mean, she can be my hands, if yeah, you will. I, you betcha. I, I have a lot of thoughts of what I could do with those hands. So I mean, that's a sale. Uh, I don't understand that. That's, it all comes back to Dick Durant. You know, it, it all comes back to Dick Durant. That said, I, again, I, I make, we're making fun of this movie a bit because it does deserve an escape. But I still genuinely, again, I think the movie has genuine heart. No, it's, I, got, it's got heart and charm. Yeah, there's, it a does. Line, there's a line in this movie where Swampson says, there's beauty in the swamp if only... If you only look, and I kind of look at that—that's the metaphor for this movie. I think if you give this movie a chance, if you don't judge it by what you know, modern standards of you know, well, there's ten thousand comic book movies now, and they're, they're all budgeted at two hundred million dollars, and you know, other than Swamp Thing, there were the Superman movies at the time. Yeah, and that was it. Yeah. That was it. You that's know? a good point. I mean, that was one of the things that made me so excited about this movie is that it was a comic book movie. There weren't many co- – and the other thing I have to mention, the poster. The poster yes. for this movie. I don't know who painted it, but that poster ran in a bunch of DC Comics. Oh, that thing is a – that is, a, no pun intended, a thing of beauty. That is yeah, it is. Poster. It really has a great-looking poster. Yeah. Oh, <laughs> man. It is just gorgeous. So, And one other thing uh, worth mentioning just as a little fun fact for this movie is that when it was first put on VHS – uh, this movie was uh, when it was when it was transferred to VHS for the first time. They put the British version on the VHS tape, and the British version features an extended topless scene of Adrian Barbeau. There is a brief topless scene of her in this movie, where she, for some reason, goes and bathes in the swamp. Would, I don't well, know we why. Know, we know what we know what the reason. <laughs> well, we know why she did it because they needed to sell the movie, but like. Why would any human bathe in a swamp? I mean, I you know, yes, I'm sure the swamp is quite good for bathing, but the chiggers and the used car parts and the you know the leeches and the leeches, <laughs> I wouldn't think you would get topless at all in the swamp. But okay, but but anyway, well, yes, yeah, I was just gonna say I, I believe the you get the unedited on the on the Blu-ray. Cause oh, do you really? I was like, I was like, that's an awful lot of Adrian. Barbo booby oh, for a PG movie. Okay, all right. Because, well, what, yeah, they put it on the VHS, and they didn't know. They made a mistake. And apparently some busybody mom down in Texas, like, bought the movie for her kid and complained, and they recalled the tapes. <laughs> like, thanks a lot, lady. You know, so. Thanks a lot, mom. Yeah, thanks a lot, mom. <laughs> so, uh, and this was, I've mentioned this story before on, on different episodes. I think on the video store episode of Film My Water, where I accidentally put something on the closed-circuit TVs in the video store that I worked on. Forgetting that the movie had a nude scene in it, and all of a sudden there's this extended scene of Adrian Barbeau topless. I'm like, oh geez, and the whole store is looking at it. And I have to go run and pop the tape out. So I was like, wow, my dad took me to a movie with nudity in it. I don't remember that, but uh, but yeah. So that's they they made the mistake to put the British version on. But that's good to know that that's the version that's on the DVD. That I think it is because I was like I was like, hey, that's okay, all right. <laughs> okay. How now, do you do? <laughs> yeah. Now you, I, we, we'll, we'll get to this later on in the show. But like you, I know you watched this with your son, right? Now you watched it first, I assume, right? Um, no, that one. Since it was rated PG, we just went on it. Oh, really? And, uh, 
And that was fine. I mean, he's yeah, he's ten, but he's he's very mature. He's okay. very mature, ten year old. So uh, it wasn't a big deal. In okay. fact, if if anything, it just embarrassed him. <laughs> you know? I, I'm sure that was exactly my reaction when I saw it with my dad. I think I was probably just embarrassed that I'm sitting here in the movie theater with my sister and my dad watching but a yeah, Poplar, we, you know, Poplar <laughs> scenes. Like, oh, we watched it as a family, actually, as me and my oh son my and, my, and my wife. And <laughs> and and the thing about it is, is the scene is. It's actually very fairly tastefully done. It's not like it's not a sex it, scene. Luckily, it's not a sex scene. Yeah. No, it's, it's it's not like uh, really erotic. It's I mean it, to an extent it is, but it's not over the top. Right. So I mean, even my wife was like, no, nah, she didn't even she didn't give me a, a glance on it. She didn't even <laughs> glance over at me on it. I'm glad so. to know I didn't get you in trouble. But. I think she had fallen asleep at that point. Uh, okay, well, there you go. That'll happen. The movie's only 90 minutes, but okay, we'll, we'll, we'll give her a pass on that one. So, uh, but yeah, this, this movie was not a particularly big hit, and nevertheless, though, it inspired a sequel, of which the less said the better. Uh, there was a TV show, and there was a cartoon, so Swamp Thing kind of kept going on and on and on, and Dick Duroc appeared in all of these things, so he owned the role. You know, he, he went on to be Swamp Thing in virtually every iteration that came out after this. Well, I got to admit, I, even though I'm, I'm a fairly well-versed guy in movies, and especially comic book movies, I'll be honest with you, somehow the fact that there was a sequel got past me. I vaguely remembered there was a TV show. It's garbage. The movie's but, total man, garbage. But, man, okay, total garbage. I was going to ask you, uh, you know, is there any redeeming quality to there it? There is one redeeming quality to it, and is the opening credits are all comic book panels of Swamp Thing over the opening credits. So once and I'm done with the credits, just you can move just give on. up. It's a te- <laughs> it, it, this movie, okay, for all of the cheese, and there are some cheesy jokes here. There's a, when Bruno turns into the little dwarf creature, he has some jokes which are really not funny and like really you know, inappropriate and stuff. Uh, like I would think if you were turned into a little dwarf creature with pointy ears and a snout, you wouldn't be making jokes. Like you would be pretty upset. But he's like, <laughs> he's like cracking jokes with Arcane trying to distract him, and you're like, what is that? So there's, there is some camp humor here. But it, for the most part, the movie is playing it straight. Swamp Thing, Return of the Swamp Thing is all just jokes. It, the whole thing's just a joke. It's just, no. yeah, you know, and that that's unfortunate. And it's, 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 run, it's weird because it's so counter to what was going on in the comics. I mean, just as Swamp Thing was becoming more and more mature, and, you know, Alan Moore was pushing the comic into areas that no superhero comic had gone, here's the movie being even goofier. Which is strange. You know, you would think, well, geez, the comic book has shown that you could actually do like a really pretty nightmarish Swamp Thing movie. And they chose not to do that. They just made, I mean, Heather Locklear is the star of Return of the Swamp Thing. So, All right. yeah. So okay. we're not going to bother. Fair with enough. That. We're not going to bother with that movie. So, <laughs> how, how many years later was it? Just uh, out of seven. Curiosity. In 1989. Seven. Yeah. Okay. So, so it kind of they were like in '89 you could either watch Return of Swamp Thing or you could watch Batman. Not a not a tough decision. <laughs> no, not a, not a tough decision at all. So yeah, so I, I again I, I still really like Swamp Thing. I know some people again knock on it, but I'm glad that you liked it. I'm glad that uh, you were seeing it for the first time and you enjoyed it. Yeah, and you know, I think it really was helpful to watch it as a family. Um, you know, see it through a ten year old's eyes at the same time. As watching it as a grown man, like, I'm, like I said, I, you're you're going to be hard pressed to find a person who's kind of more open minded about movies than than me. I, I will watch some terrible, terrible movies and <laughs> still find something in it to go, "That was interesting," or "That that that was good," or I, "They did this cleverly." I, I can always find something. Well, we're going to put least, we're gonna, we're gonna put can... that to the test very shortly. <laughs> Yeah, we and we, and I'll find positives. I promise you, I will. Okay. Uh, that's just that's just how I'm wired. But I didn't really have to try that much. Like I said, it was it was charming, 
and it, it was well done. Even though, like you said, he got especially at the end when Arcane turned into the Coyote and they fought, and there was still like you remember, like at the very end of the fight where he like puts the sword in Arcane, and yeah. then they have a really awesomely framed shot that looks like it's from a Highlander movie. Yeah. Of like the swamp thing, like walking away, looking over his shoulder with the sword sticking up. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And I was like, that's a really great shot. Even though it was like, see, I can always find the good and even the worst part, <laughs> parts of the movie. I'm like, this, I thought that was a great shot. You know, the, the biggest thing that I just kind of went uh, about swamp thing was, and I, and I knew without even watching behind the scenes, I, I could tell, okay, we're on a limited budget here. I get it. The, the the action scenes were so very made for TV in that Swamp Thing, all he does, all he really does for the vast majority of time is kind of toss people around. Oh, yes, I tossed this very guy in incredible the water. Hulk, yeah. Yeah, exactly. It felt like I was watching, you nailed it. It felt like I was watching a, a, an Incredible Hulk TV show. I'm tossing this guy, I'm tossing that guy. Eh, you know, I'm just like, at one point he like, he went and like crushed this dude's skull. That's good. I like that bit. Yeah. Where he just, and yeah. I was like, and I was like, yeah, all right. I get why you can't do that all the time. Cause it's a PG movie, but at least like, like hit somebody or mm-hmm. something, you know, that was my biggest mm, moment. Uh, I, like I said, surprisingly enough, I really thought Jude helped make the movie. I really thought Jude brought a lot to it. I enjoyed, I enjoyed all the stuff with Jude uh, it, it was overall, like I said, it was a lot of fun. Like big, biggest drawback was the was this, the made for TV action sequences were just kind of like, eh, I'm a little sleepy when I watch that. I understand. And it's funny, but, uh, Dick Durock actually was on Incredible Hulk. He played the werewolf creature that fights the Incredible Hulk. So he that had, guy gets around. <laughs> he had experience in fighting creatures and comic book related stuff. So. But yeah, you're right. The fight scenes are not the most wonderfully staged in the world. Swamp Thing just because they just don't have the money to do any of effects. Like Swamp Thing can't turn it. Like he can't grab it. You know, like make a plant strangle a guy or anything like that. Yeah, like, that's really and that's kind of what I was. Dudes, yeah. Yeah, and that's kind of what I was hungry for. Like I wanted to see that whole swamp comes alive thing, and right. it doesn't ever happen. And it's forgivable because it's what they had to do. Uh, the <laughs> the only other note I have here, by the way, <laughs> that just made me laugh. It's very near the beginning. And, and this character makes me laugh the whole way, even though he's supposed to be pretty bad. It's the dude with the red bandana, that henchman. What's his name? That's, you know uh, him. Yeah, that was, that's David Hess yeah, as a ferret. Ferret, yes. Ferret, David Hess. He cracks me up, and I don't know if it's intentional or not, if he's supposed to be a crack-up bad guy. But the fa- it's very near the beginning. They like capture some. They're like chasing some random dude in the swamp, him and his crew, just kind of to establish that they're the bad guys, I think. Yeah, and and they like capture him, and David Hess is like, "I'm gonna get, I'm gonna have this poisonous snake bite him." And where does he get the poisonous snake from? His pocket. Yeah, <laughs> I'm like you're you're carrying a poisonous snake around your pocket. That does seem like <laughs> unnecessarily complicated. That is bizarre, man. Like, why would you do that? Yeah, I I keep I keep poisonous snakes away from that area, especially as much as I possibly can. But he kind of cracked me up, like, "Oh, I'm gonna take this gal out to the swamp and." I'm gonna try and drown her in the most difficult possible way. Yeah. And like, I and I think he was. There was some sort of intentional goofy henchman thing because when they like, it's even funny when they accidentally shoot Tyrone. Mm-hmm. <laughs> if you remember that. Yeah. Because then they're like, they're like, they even reference it. They're like, you says something like, you go get Tyrone. We shot Tyrone. <laughs> oh yeah. Yeah, the henchmen. The henchmen are not. Arcane is not pulling from the greatest pool in the world. 
of henchmen. Yeah. <laughs> He's not doing well. But it, it was, it was like I said, it was a, in that regard, it was almost Flash Gordon-y in that, okay, it, I don't think they're taking themselves too seriously. Don't take the movie too seriously. Sit back, relax, have fun, chomp some popcorn, you know, laugh at the silliness, and enjoy the ride. And at least it had a lot of really great visuals. Like you said, the color was great. And there's a lot of stuff that was shot really interestingly and, and really cool. So, yeah, ups and downs, peaks and valleys, but overall... It was fun. Yeah. And I said, if you if you want to get it, get the uh, the one you got, I guess, is from Shout Factory, I believe. Is that the I think it is. I think it is a Shout Factory. Yeah, they, they do such great deluxe presentations of when they when they pick a movie, they really do a great job. So if I was ever going to purchase one thing, I would, yeah, I would get that version because they do such well, a good job. Well, so. you can get it on Amazon.com for $14. Okay. <laughs> That's Thank how you. I did it. All right. <laughs> So, all right, well, that's going to do it for Swamp Thing. So we're going to take a little break. We're going to play some podcast promos. And when we come back, we are going to talk about 2005's Man Thing. So stay tuned. Hello there. This is Jared Albrick, a.k.a. The Yard Sale Artist, with a quick podcast promo for my show, Comics with Normies. Here's how the show works. Using my yard sailing skills, I acquire a random comic book from a yard sale. I then give said random comic to a normie. A normie being a person who doesn't normally read comic books. Then, on the show, I'll sit down with the normie to discuss the issue, get a real outsider's point of view, and see what some of the comics that we love, and maybe not love so much, seem like to those normal folks we see walking around on the streets each day. It should be a fun perspective and good for a few laughs. You can check out the Comics with Normies podcast, along with some other fun-filled podcasts from White Rocket Entertainment, on iTunes and at whiterocket.podbean.com. And feel free to join the show using the Twitter handle at Normies Podcast or on Facebook at Comics with Normies. Once again, you can find Comics with Normies on iTunes and at whiterocket.podbean.com. We'll see you there. He has been challenged to read all the comics he has collected. This podcast will summarize, review, and reminisce about a single comic book issue and the time period somewhat chronologically by release date. He keeps a stack of comics near his bedside for when the time is right. Who is this interesting comic fan and what is the podcast? Hello, my name is Pat. I don't normally do podcasts about the comic books I read, but when I do, I podcast about them on The Longbox Crusade. Listen to it on iTunes, Stitcher, or on theLongboxCrusade.com, and check out the Facebook page. Read them all, my friends.
must face the unimaginable. Man Thing. And we're back, and as promised, this is the second half of our muck encrusted double feature. We're here to talk about Man Thing, and much how uh, people that follow comics well know that Man Thing and Swamp Thing were basically created around the exact same time uh, by two different creators that were living in the same house together. Uh, and they, they both, Lynn Ween and Jerry Conway, and they, they both, uh, suggest, they both say that they did not feed off each other. They both, both basically, uh, uh, stole from the heap, which was a character from the forties. It was a swamp creature, but they weren't trading off each other. And so, but the, the one big difference is of course, Swamp Thing, uh, had a, two movies, a TV show and an animated show all before the two thousands. And it took man thing all the way to 2005 till it became a movie. This was one of those deals that Marvel struck when they were desperate for cash and they were licensing all their characters out. And then later on they realized, Oh shoot, we wish we hadn't done that because we could make our movie. So this movie ended up getting made by uh, Lionsgate. And, uh, this is a terrible movie. Uh, this, is, <laughs> this is a terrible, terrible movie. Uh, I'm not going to mince two words about it. This is a movie that opens up with a scene ripped off from Jaws where it's a bunch of teens in the swamp and they're partying and two of them sneak off to go have a rendezvous. Uh, they go out in a rowboat. The girl gets topless because girls love to get topless in the swamp apparently. Big uh-huh. aphrodisiac, the swamp. And the girl, uh, the, the, the boy and the girl while they're having sex, get attacked by Man-Thing. The girl, the Sorry. girl, the girl, yes, the girls, the topless girl gets covered in blood all before the title. So that's the kind of movie we're dealing with here, Man-Thing. Uh, so, okay, now, okay, you said in the previous segment, Jared, that you could yes. find something positive to say about any movie. Lay it on me. What's the positive thing about me? Something tells me I'm not going to sway you uh, either way on on that. Um, Before I get into my positives, I had a great idea. Feel free to steal this. Instead of a podcast, let's call this a bog cast. eh? Okay. There you go. That's free for me to you. All right. (laughs) (laughs) The the man thing. Uh, The positives I will give the man thing. Uh, I actually like the use of color in this movie as well. It's not nearly as bright as uh, as Swamp Thing, right? But uh, I, they they do a lot of sort of uh, yellowy tones, and the swamp looks good. Um, the monster actually doesn't look bad for for the technology of the time. Uh, so a lot of the visuals uh, I thought actually were pretty good. Uh, visually, like if we just drop the soundtrack and we can't hear anybody reading lines, and I'm just watching it with no sound, and I'm like I might go, oh, pretty good movie, <laughs> but. Unfortunately, there are, you know, there are, there are lines in there. There is sound. And, and I agree with you too, especially about that opening scene. Like it's so weird because it's like very graphic sexually. Yep. It's very graphic, uh, violently. Yep. And you're like, okay, okay, this is the tone of this movie. And then nothing like that really happens. I mean, there's a little, there's some violent stuff, but no, there's, there's never any more nudity. There's never any more sex. There's, there's never gore to that level. It was like it was like it was it was like we set this bar for what you to expect 
but we're never coming back here again, which is actually okay with me because, frankly, I don't enjoy a lot of sex and nudity in my movie uh, unnecessarily, which it was fairly unnecessary at the beginning. Of the Completely movie. unnecessary, yeah. In fact, in fact, I, I remember chatting with you because I was going to have my ten-year-old was going to watch both of them. And we sat down to watch it. And as soon as that started, I was like, "Okay, pause," because <laughs> I'd seen I'd seen it once before years ago when he was a baby, I, when Jordan was just born, and I I put it on it. And, and it's it's in those times when when you've got a kid and you're up at four in the morning for no reason than, than to feed him. That's when I watched it. So what's funny is I kind of almost had a I remember watching it and thinking that oh, wasn't bad. Okay, so it was four in the morning and I was sleep deprived, and, and now I know better. It's not a great movie. But I think part of that came from I had always thought it was a made-for-TV movie because right. if you know the history of it, like it was really limited release in theaters. Everybody kind of saw that it wasn't that great, and then like Sci-Fi, I think, opted it. Yes. And turned it into a made-for-TV movie. And so when I first watched it, I was like, okay, I'm going to watch this made-for-TV movie, so it's not going to be very good. And I thought, well, that was pretty good for a made-for-TV movie. So I think that's why my frame got shifted, not realizing that it wasn't a made-for-TV movie. That they were taking themselves seriously. Yeah, so, I mean, compared to the, the the other sci-fi originals, you know, Sharknado or whatever they, right. the the Z-grade crap that they make, mm-hmm. Man Thing actually looks pretty good. But it yeah, does. yeah, yeah. I mean, this movie was originally scheduled for a theater release. Uh, apparently, uh, Avi Arred, you know, who was the big muckety muck at Marvel, put a lot of money into this, and then they got the return. They got the movie back, and they were like, "Oh no, no, no! This we know this is never going to work." And so it was released theatrically overseas. But never mm-hmm. in America. And so when it came here, uh, yeah, it was sold to sci-fi. And there's the sci-fi edit is the version most people are familiar with. They're not familiar with the one with the nudity. And the thing that bothers me about the, that opening scene is that, like, again, at the risk of taking Man-Thing too terribly seriously, just saying the word <laughs> Man-Thing is, you know. But, like, <laughs> but the thing is, it's like Man-Thing is not a bad guy. He's a good guy. He's a hero. Yeah. And he kills this couple for no reason. For like, no flipping reason. They're yeah. not bad guys. They're they're just some stupid teens that are going to go and have sex out in the swamp. Like why does he kill them? Like the minute that happens I'm like, okay, this movie has this movie has no idea what man thing is. Like this movie right. this movie is it just bought the title and it's going to go make its own thing. That's that's the part where I'm like, wow, we're 3 minutes in and I already don't like this movie because it's telling me it doesn't understand the main character. And, and like I told you before, I was only sort of tangentially aware of Man-Thing. I thought I had a great look and all that, and I'd seen him pop up in comics and stuff before. And then when that happens, and then as the movie develops, I, that left me scratching my head. I was like, well, maybe do I not know this character as well as I thought I did? Mm-hmm. Is, he really a, is he really a villain? And if so, then how did he get all his comics made from him? And I'm thinking, I could have sworn I've seen him team up with, like, Spider-Man. Yeah, like, exactly. what is going on? Yeah, yeah. You know, so it did mess with, totally mess with my head. And then now, as I've gotten older, I've gotten more familiar with, with Man-Thing, T. And, and, <laughs> and I, uh, now I, now I just, yeah, now it's even worse when I watch it, because I'm like, why did they do that to this character? I mean, he's totally just like a foil. He's just like a, a horror movie creature, like yeah. like he's the alien in in what's the name of that movie? Oh yeah, Alien. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, it, yeah. It, so they made the the star of the movie this this you know pretty boy sheriff who's not terribly believable, but which he, nobody did, cares about. You, you nobody care cares. About, the movie's called Man Thing. Give me man. I don't I don't want to see unless you can get me Adrian Barbeau. Don't give me <laughs> boring human characters. And the, the other problem is. <laughs> 
they, this movie supposedly takes place in Louisiana, but they they shot it all in Australia. Oh, so God. all the actors are fighting Australian accents. Like oh, you my can hear it in there. They're all desperately trying not to sound Australian and trying to sound like they're from Louisiana, which is like a double southern. Win. Yeah. Oh my God. And as a guy from Alabama, that's it's a cringe. Like every time someone speaks, I'm just like, no, no, I'm from I'm from Alabama. Do I sound like that? No. Most people around here don't sound like that. Like that just. Oh yeah. The the voice the voices they do are just. Ugh, they're bad. <laughs> yeah, and the other the other thing that drives me nuts is that they said this it does feature a character called named Ted Salas, and Ted Salas is is the alter is the alter ego of Man Thing from the comics. Except in the comics, he was like a scientist. It was very very similar origin to Swamp Thing. He was a scientist, and he gets encrusted at all the swamp stuff, and he becomes this creature, and he exacts revenge on people that are there to harm others or harm the swamp. But in this, Ted Salas is an old seminal legend who has come to life, who is trying to stop an oil tycoon who wants to destroy the swamps and turn them into an oil factory. So it's like you bothered to name a character Ted Salas, <laughs> and then it has nothing to do with the Ted Salas and the co- – like, why bother? Wait, like, nobody well, knows Ted Salas, so what, why would you bother to do that? Well, at least we'll get a really creative villain. No, oh, no, God. we didn't. And at least it'll be a creative circumstance. Oh wait, no, it was no. big business ruins the swamp. Okay, <sighs> how many tropes can we fit into one movie? And, and this movie also had more <laughs> gratuitous f words than I can think of in, in 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 a movie in another movie in a long time. Like there are just so many times where characters just stick the f word in the middle of a sentence for no good reason. You know, and I'm like, what? why are they talking? Why is everybody all of a sudden talking like a Quentin Tarantino movie here? Like, this is so weird. And and look, I don't, I don't, I don't want to pick on this movie too hard because I've done some reading about it. And this was a movie that uh, apparently was uh, as conceived by the director Brett Leonard, who has made some other kind of bigger ticket movies. I think he did the the Lawnmower Man, the Stephen King adaptation. This apparently was a much more ambitious movie when it was originally done. And then uh, the aforementioned Ang Lee Hulk movie came out. And basically bombed, and then his budget got cut. Uh, the, the the studio backers just said, "Oh no no, the, 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 you know, I, I mean, oh. it's a big green monster movie. We can't. We're not going to spend as much money." And so they just started hacking away at the man's budget. Oh, I didn't know that. Yeah, oh. and it really turned the movie into something even worse. Now, I have sympathy for anyone who's just trying to make their movie and then forces outside their control, you know, hack and slash at it because then you still got to make your movie, but you're left with very few resources. That said, that said, that said, <laughs> I think Mr. Leonard is kind of overstating how good his original concept was because, like, the main villain in this movie, the oil tycoon, his name is Frederick Schist. And his middle initial is A, so F A Schist, fascist. Uh, you know, like all right. <laughs> <laughs> like I said, it's like they were trying to pile tropes in it. And is he really the villain? Is he really, or is Swamp Thing the villain? Because if I remember correctly, Swamp Thing killed a really nice deputy. Yeah. <laughs> and yeah. I'm like, what the yeah. hell? <laughs> so I mean, I'm yeah. sorry, Man Thing. I think I said Swamp Thing. Exactly. Yeah, Man Thing. Thing. Yeah, so, I mean, it's like there might have been a better movie as originally conceived by Brett Leonard, but it wasn't exactly, you know, the Magnificent well, Ambersons or anything, and then it got well, destroyed. Does, it was, you know, probably already. Yeah, well, how does, how does that affect the script? I mean, the script is annoying from almost Jump Street because the new sheriff comes into town, 
and and he goes uh, he gets called out to stop uh, some environmentalists who have chained themselves to the equipment. You remember all this, yes, I'm sure. Yeah. Unless you couldn't bring yourself to watch it again. Well, that, that's the uh, where I sort of noticed the f words being dropped because the guy goes like, "Shut the f up, you hippie!" And I'm like, "What?" Like he, he tells her to go. He tells her to go f a tree, which that's was right. weird. That's right. And, and and then what was even weirder is like he goes up and she kind of is leading the group and the sheriff confronts her with it and she kicks him in the chest <laughs> and and knocks him into a mud puddle. And he's like, all right, you know, I got to arrest you now. And I'm like, yeah. And then like two minutes later, he's like, oh, I'm going to let you go. It wouldn't be uh, nice of me to arrest a school teacher. I'm like, she assaulted a police officer. I get it. She's hot. But you cannot let people get away with that. <laughs> That's insane. Maybe but in the this... Australian Louisiana outback. <laughs> that's where that's where it is. In the, I forgot. I forgot they were in the Australian yeah. Louisiana outback, down in the French Quarter of Australia. Yeah. But there's just so much. Like I said, turn just turn off the sound. Watch the visuals. One, I do want to mention the visuals when we get to the end because the the end scene is kind of a big big thing. This movie does name check some creators. Uh, there is a Steve Gerber character. There's a Val Merrick character. There's a Mike Plug character. Uh, uh, they probably were all be perfectly happy not to be mentioned in this movie, but nevertheless, <laughs> they they do mention them. Uh, this movie does kind of save quote unquote the best for last because you really do get a big big scene at the end of Man Thing. And you see, we mentioned how all the Swamp Thing is shot during the day. Man Thing is almost entirely at night. Uh, I think better to hide, you know, the the effects. And Man Thing, as a puppet, is pretty stiff. Like, he can't move. He moves like a Shogun warrior. Like, he really can't do a whole lot. Nevertheless, you do get to see him, you know, turn the swamp against the bad guys. And, like, it's a fairly elaborate scene. So, like, they didn't have a lot of money, but what they did have, it's like, it's the inverse of Swamp Thing, how Swamp Thing kind of peters out at the end. Mm -hmm. For whatever visual appeal Man Thing has, it's saved till the end. At least the big scene with Man Thing is kind of cool to look at. You're like, wow. I'm getting full-on shots of man of man of a giant man thing puppet, uh, and it's like fifteen, <laughs> yeah. and it's like a full fifteen twenty feet high. He's a big puppet, laying yeah. waste to the bad guys. So that, on a purely comic book thrill level, was fun to watch. Of like, oh look, there he is. We're finally yeah. getting to see man thing. The little CGI and the enhancements they do with his tentacles and his like his drifty red eyes. It's yeah. actually not bad. I mean. Yeah. And like you said, they good use of lighting, keeping it dark to kind of hide the limitations yeah. of the time. But yeah, they, you're right. Best for last. That that final scene is pretty good because you know it's awfully nice that our our, our superhero man thing actually kills a bad guy. Yeah, finally <laughs> kills a bad guy as opposed to killing good guys. Yeah, uh, yeah, just all that stuff. So it's not a good movie. Don't bother to seek it out unless you are like absolutely. You know, like, I need to see every comic book movie ever made, which you shouldn't do anyway at this point. Don't That's what I do. <laughs> crazy, Jared. Completely crazy, Jared. One, one, one uh, indication of uh, the, the, the this movie is uh, if you look it up on IMDb and it gives you that little algorithm at the bottom where it says people who like this movie also liked, these are the other movies recommended if you like Man Thing. I cannot Thing. wait to hear Here this. Go. These are the movies. If you liked Man Thing, these other movies you will like. Electra. <laughs> The Dolph, the Dolph Lundgren Punisher. Hey, I'll stand up for that movie any day of the week. The 1990 Captain America. And I will Howard, not stand up for that. And, and Howard the Duck. Those are the movies recommended to you. So 
That ought to tell you everything you need to know. That that would make a uh, the worst quadruple feature of all time would be all the or quintuple feature of all time. All those movies. <laughs> well, I'll give you all those, but I will stand up for Punisher, and uh, one day we'll have to do an episode like this where we compare Punisher movies. But I I don't think the Dolph Lundgren one is terrible, and I don't care who knows it. <laughs> all right, you're you're completely nuts, Jared. Completely nuts. So, I got problems, uh, man. Yeah, you do, you do. Um, so we're gonna we're gonna that's all we need to say about Man Thing. Don't bother with. It, but go read some Man Thing comics. Go read Giant Size Man Thing. Everybody's favorite Man Thing comic. Giant Size Everybody's Man favorite. Thing. Uh, you know, we should totally. Man Thing does have a purpose. We should totally recommend it to like uh, to the Rift Tracks guys. I think there should be a Rift Track for Man Thing. I'm surprised they I haven't it, done it already. Jeez. I, I think nice. it's ripe for for a Rift Track. And uh, yeah. Other than that, I have to agree with Rob. It's it's not great unless you're a comic book movie completist like myself. I would avoid it. Yeah, absolutely. So, all right, we're going to wrap it up here. We have one other little segment we're going to mention, but before we get to that, uh, Jared, you are now on a podcast regularly since your last appearance. So, where can people find you? Oh my gosh, how much time do you have left in the show? Um, we have, we have people, no limit, Jared. Just keep talking. Oh gosh, oh gosh. Okay, so anyway, uh, they can people. If you want to find me, uh, you can always follow me on Twitter. I'm at Yard Sale Artist. Facebook is Yard Sale Artist. I got the YardSaleArtist.com website. Blogspot, all that jazz. But if you want to hear me run my mouth, podcast style, uh, over at uh, White Rocket Entertainment, you can follow White Rocket Entertainment on iTunes, or you can go to whiterocket.podbean.com, where I host uh, one show all by my all by my lonesome called Comics with Normies, and I co-host a show called On Her Majesty's Secret Podcast, all about James Bond stuff. And finally, I'm over on another show called The Long Box Crusade with Pat Sampson, and I co-host that uh, with him. On a regular basis. Very cool. Welcome to the world of uh, podcasting all the time now, man. You're gone insane. This is uh, partly your fault, mostly Shag's fault, but yeah, thanks for the welcome. I'll g- gladly take the blame. I would like to spread the pain <laughs> out to people so they all know what it's like. They're like, oh my God, I'm, I'm in the world of podcasting now. What have I done? Good stuff. <laughs> So, uh, awesome, very cool, and of course you can find this show over on our network site, which is firewaterpodcast.com. It's there, you can find this and all our other great shows, and you can find the show over on Twitter, which is at uh, Film and Water Pod. So, like I said, before we sign off, we have another special guest, we're going to play this little segment, uh, J- <laughs> Jared's son Jordan was nice enough to do a little mini review of Swamp Thing and Man Thing. So we're going to – do you want to talk – you want to set this up before we sign off so you can hear from Jordan talking about these two movies? Yeah, I mean you've done a pretty good job of it. It's my 10-year-old boy. Uh, we watched these movies together after I had to pause for the gratuitous sex and violence right? at the beginning sure. of Swamp Thing. And then after that was over I, and I watched the whole thing, I realized, okay, he can handle F words. So he can handle pretty much everything from there forward. So we did finish watching it from there forward. Um, anyway, I sat down with Jordan uh, in our uh, our kitchen dining area and just uh, had him uh, give me his take. I told him that, that I, I, we might do this you know, before we started watching the film. So he kind of had He's a tiny little podcaster making his mental notes and discussing some stuff with me. And then we sat down, and and, and you've got the audio. Awesome. So, again, everybody enjoy this. Uh, Jared, thanks so much for coming back on, man. I really appreciate it. This was a lot of fun. Hey, thanks for having me back, bud. Uh, I'm, I'm here for you anytime you need me. Awesome. So, okay, everybody enjoy this podcast debut. This is his debut, right? He hasn't been on any of your shows yet, has he? He is not. This is okay. this is this his is podcast, podcast debut. All right. So in the in the podcasting who's who Hall of Fame, like his first appearance, Jordan's first appearance will be listed as <laughs> as this episode. So yes. here you go. Enjoy Jordan Albrecht reviewing 
Swamp Thing and Man Thing. And we'll see you guys next week. And until then, uh, what's my tagline? Oh, yeah. That, <laughs> I forgot my own tagline for my show. Okay. That's a wrap. Okay. This is Jared Albrick, also known as the Yard Sale Artist. And I'm here discussing a couple of films with my son. Tell everybody your name, son. Jordan. Jordan. Son of the Yard Sale Artist. And... We just got finished over the last couple days watching two movies of a similar story, but told in very different ways. So, Jordan, why don't you tell the folks what movies uh, we're talking about? Man-Thing and Swamp-Thing. Man-Thing and Swamp-Thing. So, uh, we just thought it would be interesting to get sort of a younger person's point of view uh, at these two uh, comic book movies of lesser-known comic book characters. Now, with Jordan, we had to obviously get the more edited-for-television version of Man-Thing because uh, most of the video versions you get are rated R, so he, he didn't uh, see a lot of the, the the nudity or any of the nudity and some of the super gore or anything like that. Uh, but he got the flavor for each of them. So, Jordan, just right off the bat... Uh, Man-Thing versus Swamp-Thing, which movie did you like better? Oh, it's a tough decision. Man-Thing's filming was better, of course, and all that. But I'm going to have to go with Swamp-Thing. Swamp-Thing, okay. You like Swamp-Thing better than Man-Thing, even though you're saying that Man-Thing looked better on film than Swamp-Thing did. Is that what you're saying? Yeah. Okay. Uh, what What did... what? What uh, what did you like best about Man Thing? I mean, I'm sorry, about Swamp Thing, because that one was your favorite of the two. What did you like best about Swamp Thing? I just, I mean, there were some bad cheesy spots, but I mean, it's like Flash Gordon. It's the cheesy, kind of like romantic. Okay. And I just like it. Just like it had a little more charm for you. Okay. Yep. Um, what was your least favorite thing about Swamp Thing? Probably all three of the the people who got mutated into like the swamp monsters. Mm -hmm. Swamp thing, he um he was the only one who was burning on fire. Uh, the second guy who drank like the wine with the substance in it, he turned into this weird looking thing. And then the third one, it took too long for the uh, it just like he was sitting on his chair for a real long time. And it took longer than the others. Okay. So you didn't like the way they transformed? What about the look of them? Swamp Thing looked cool. The the other, um, the... Like dwarf thing? Yeah, like mixed between a hobbit and a... And, uh, what's it called? A troll or whatever. Okay. Goblin. What, yeah. What do you think about his look? Mm, just, I think they're just, I don't know. It was weird. <laughs> okay. And then the last guy... The main monster that Swamp Thing fought in. What about his look? Well, it's supposed to. It's supposed to transfer the plant that you're standing closest to, not the animal. There is no weird rat thing anywhere. Well, okay, fair enough. Uh, <laughs> all right, so let's take, go over to Man Thing real quick. What was your favorite part of Man Thing? I liked when um, you where you can see the big red eyes, and the first time you see Man Thing, he's all awesome. Because a guy in the big flashlight saying high and low, high and low. <laughs> and then it's just kind of cool how they made Man-Thing. Okay, so you just like the way he looked better. Yeah. Um, 
so of of the creature effects, you thought Man Thing looked better, mm -hmm. but just from a fun story point of view, Swamp Thing. Yeah. Okay. Anything else on Man Thing or Swamp Thing? Uh, no, not really. All right. Well, appreciate your input, and uh, maybe we'll do this again sometime on a couple other movies that that came out way before you were born, and and see. Well, Swamp Thing came out way before you were born. Man Thing came out shortly before you were born. Uh, and just get your opinions on them, all right? So thanks for being here. Okay, you're welcome. I'm here all the time, pretty much. <laughs> all right, we'll get you later. Really needs you.